The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, the fountain of youth may be a myth, but people are living longer these days. Today, we give you the tools you'll need to live a great quality of life for many years to come. But first up, we're joined today by another prominent physician. When it comes to alternative medicine, Dr. Alan Sassen is certified in internal medicine and nephrology, the study of kidney disease. He is the founder of the Institute for Progressive Medicine. Dr. Sassen is experienced in the traditional methods of diagnosing and treating disease. Over the last 30 years, he has developed a system of nutritional, lifestyle, and alternative therapies. He specializes in management of heart disease, diabetes, and hypertension, bioidentical hormone replacement, and platelet-rich plasma and prolozone for joint pain. And we welcome him back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. Dr. Sassen, how are you? I'm good, Kim. How are you? Great. Thank you. Before we get to today's topic, please fill us in on your mission and your work. Well, over the years, I've gotten more and more into the belief that working with lifestyle, working with nutrition, with exercise, with non-drug and non-surgical approaches has helped more people and prevented more problems than doing things the conventional way. The conventional way has usually been you come in with a problem and here's your medication, you know, and it's actually, I think, happening even more these days because doctors are more pushed for time Mm. than they were. You know, they have to see a patient every... 15 minutes or every seven minutes, and how much are you going to be able to talk about breakfast, lunch, and dinner choices in that length of time? You have to come to a conclusion and offer a solution quickly, and that works against lifestyle management. So we don't do things that way. We spend more time. We look into, you know, the things that affect, that impact the person's well-being, and we directly go after those, not just medication. Well, that's very good, and that's why we're anxious to talk to you. Today, we're talking about aging and how we can all live longer and stronger. And so, Dr. Sawson, what is aging? Aging is getting older. Ew. And uh, <laughs> what's that mean? You know, are you, are you uh, aging gracefully or are you aging ungracefully? Truth is, the population is getting older. Yeah. The population around the world is getting older. So people are living a lot longer than they used to live. And it's not just from, you know, death early in life from childhood illnesses. It, it has to do with having interventions that allow people to, to live longer. And, you know, we're not dying on average at 70 anymore. We're dying on average at 80. So there's been a 10-year increase in survival over the last 40 years or so. That's enormous. And it is enormous. You know, and then you, you have to deal with people in their 70s and their 80s and their 90s when they didn't used to be around. You know, so what are those health problems and how do we deal with them? And I think in, in particular, as people get older, lifestyle becomes more important uh, as far as, you know, having a quality of life. And you can, you know, do things that aren't the best when you're 20 and 30 and get away with them. But if you do them when you're 70 and 80, you don't get away with them. Mm-hmm. And if you do them until you're 70 or 80, you definitely don't get away with them. There needs to be change occurring earlier. And there's you know, a lot of effort being made for that. There's children you know, being taught to eat properly when they're 2, 3, and 4, and 5 years old. That didn't used to be the case. I remember years ago when I was a little bit younger, you know, my favorite food was... Uh, 
cheeseburger, fries, and a vanilla milkshake. Dreamy stuff, you know. <laughs> I used to have it all the time. I don't, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's true. It's it's getting conditioned to think toward the future and um, and also putting our mind, you know, as far as aging, it's where you put your mind, you know, for aging. So it's how we think about that. Are there certain diseases associated with aging specifically? There are diseases. Well, cardiac disease increases as you get older. Diabetes increases because partly because the pancreas is less able to make insulin as you get older. One that people probably worry the most about is Alzheimer's disease or dementia, and that definitely increases as you get older. You don't tend to see that in people in their 50s. And uh, people in their 80s and 90s is becoming more and more common. There's you know more and more people who become unable to care for themselves and handle the activities of daily living, meaning that they become a burden to their family. You know, and how does that get handled? That's a very, very complicated issue. I've had to deal with that in my family on both sides. And uh, it's not easy. You know, you, you really want to set up something that will keep a person healthy as long as possible. And there's, there's um, an idea that's out there that has to do with the compression of morbidity. And I heard that about 20 years ago. And what that means is being sick for a shorter period of time before you pass away. Hmm. So you're 90 years old and you start to fail and you pass at the age of 90 and a half or 90 in one month. You know, that kind of becomes the ideal as compared with starting to get sick at the age of 60, having heart attacks, having strokes, getting osteoarthritis, getting operations, falling down, getting demented and dying 20 years later. So that's 20 years of progressive disability and um, burden on other people. One of the toughest things I see is, is a, uh, a daughter or a son who has an aging parent that's getting demented, that's getting Alzheimer's disease. How do you handle that? That person is no longer able to live in his or her own home. You know, they, they can set the house on fire, they put the stove on, they forget to turn it off. Uh, they're still driving when they shouldn't be. Um, they fall down, they get hurt. All of these things, you know, occur. And it's the kids, if there are kids, that have to take care of that. And, you know, when do you move an elderly person from their home that they never want to leave into a nursing home because they can't stay home anymore? You know, we've been through that. And it's very, very difficult. It's very, very complicated. And some nursing homes are better than others. You know, some do a fantastic job and some you kind of get stuck in there like you were in a warehouse mm -hmm. and you see people watching television all day long doing nothing. You know, it's a sad, it's a sad situation and it's happening with millions of people. And I don't have the full answer to that. I have partial answers. I have ways of helping people keep their minds together, you know, and, and being more active. Uh, but I don't, I don't have the, the answer to it. It is. It's a. It seems to be a trend that's happening right now with um, the baby boomers. And um, but you're right about keeping minds active with with where people are are moving toward right now. I mean, even as you say, teaching our children to eat healthy, but also stay active, no matter what age group we are, as we move into the future. Um, always keep our minds active. Always read. Always keep our passions. And as we grow into um, our golden years always want to keep learning so that Alzheimer's isn't going to be prevalent. 
I think that's the, really the main issue. You know, I have a patient who's like 77 years old studying calculus. Wow. Because he didn't do well with it in <laughs> high school or college or Bless whatever, and he's doing yeah. it now. I have good for him. patients in their 80s who play bridge all the time, you know, yeah. which is really good for the mind. Yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of things that people can do and, and need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, to sit and watch television three and four hours a day is, you know, unless you're watching a particular kind of show, I don't know what that show would be. Uh, you know, maybe wildlife or something. I, it's the wrong way to go. You know, yeah. there needs to be mental activity. There needs to be communication, which is key. And you know, these days we're having problems with communication because everyone's communicating by email and uh, cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, with texts, and that's not the best way. You right. know, it needs to be direct. Like you're sitting across from me, I'm sitting across to you from you, and we talk to each other. Right. And there's that communication line. As people get older. Uh, things happen. You know, the husband dies, the wife dies, someone gets deaf, someone stops being able to see very well. Communication fails because the other person is not there to communicate with or the facility to communicate is not there. And all of these things will lead to progressive deterioration, loss of mental functioning. So it's really important as as much as we can do. You know, in the old days, people stayed uh, with the family. You know, there was a family unit so you always stay with the family, and there's many countries on earth, you know, the, the more primitive ones, they say, where you stay with the family, you know, 70, 80, however old you are, you're part of the family, you live with the family, you're with them, they take care of you. We don't have that so much here for many different reasons, um, but it's all, you know, part of the problem. A big part of what's going on, though, is, is degenerative cardiovascular disease, because 50% of dementia estimated is a consequence of cardiovascular disease. So small strokes, big strokes, uh, hypertension, those kinds of things cause deterioration of blood flow to the brain, and the brain doesn't work as well. The brain, parts of the brain will atrophy. And, uh, you know, even in situations where they're calling it Alzheimer's disease or they're calling it dementia, there's a strong cardiovascular component. So the things that we do to prevent those from happening, like control blood pressure, control weight, get cholesterol down, be on the right diet, also must impact the incidence of, of uh, Alzheimer's disease. Why don't people age at the same rate? Aging is um, hereditary to a degree, but I think it's mostly lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So a person who uses drugs, meaning, you know, Illicit drugs, recreational drugs, alcohol, people who smoke, they're going to age faster. You know, there's vascular damage that occurs. There's a loss of nutrients in the body. Those folks are going to age faster. You know, I have patients coming in and say, well, my, my uh, grandfather lived to be 96 and he smoked and drank his whole life. And the answer to that to me is, well, if he hadn't done that, he might have been to live to 126. <laughs> and you will probably live to be 126. Because people are living longer, largely because they're taking better care of themselves in some ways. And cigarettes have certainly gone down in this country. Uh, but we have suffered a little bit from the loss of the activity level and, and the loss of interest. Things have gotten really complicated as far as uh, commercial activities and big companies. And, you know, where do I have a place here? You know, what can I do? And it's important not to really retire you know, so if you leave being the CEO of a company, you need to find something that you can go and do. Some people can get by with travel. 
You know, travel's a wonderful thing. So if you can work that out, and I have patients who retired when they were 50 or 60 or 70 or 80, and they're traveling all the time, and they're doing great. But it would be good to have some kind of hobby, to have something like music mm-hmm. or dancing. I have, you know, 80-year-old patients who go dancing. Uh, all of those things, whatever interests you, whatever turns you on, is the thing to do because that's what, what's going to keep you young and keep you alive. And if those things don't exist, you might even say, well, what's the reason to be alive? Right, and find maybe a community where you're with others that you, know, you can share your passions and, you know, I think, sh- yeah, share share your interest and be with others. Um, what Do medications prevent aging? Medications prolong survival. I don't think they prevent aging. I think they can promote aging. I mean, to the degree that they control diabetes and control cardiovascular disease, they probably slow aging. But aging to me is much more of a lifestyle situation. It's much more exercise and what you eat and what your attitude is and what your stress level is, you know, and how much you produce and and how you feel about what you produce. I think those are really the phenomena that affect aging. Well, this is all very interesting information, and there's plenty more to learn. And we're, again, talking about anti-aging from Dr. Sawson. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to take the time to remind you, if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for radio and listen to past shows. Plus, download healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Dr. Sawson. And we're talking about how you can live longer and stronger. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Dr. Sawson, what supplements should we use? Or do you use? I take about uh, 15 different things a day. I have patients who take more. I think the basic items that people should be on, and this is highly controversial. If you look it up, you will see there are a lot of experts, so to speak, out there saying nobody should take any supplements because they don't do anything. It just gives you expensive urine that's bright yellow. (laughs) You know, you should be able to get anything that you need through your diet, but very few people have perfect diets. I have a couple of patients who don't take any supplements, and, you know, they're getting organic fruits and vegetables, and... Their diets are perfect, but that's a couple of patients. That's, you know, the rest of them are are not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And the truth about supplements is they don't hurt you. You know, you're you're not going to get sick from taking fish oil unless it gives you gas. You know, you're not going to get sick from it. 
And I've seen, you know, many articles written by people who are conventional, anti-nutrient, saying, well, this hasn't been tested, and how do we know this, and how do we know that, and where's all the studies, and the studies haven't shown this, and they come out with studies every so often showing, the last one I saw was fish oil didn't prevent heart disease. Mm. Uh, this, these kinds of things come out all the time. Uh, you know, they say, well, what was the dose of the fish oil? Well, it was one gram. Well, I don't take one gram. I take two grams. I have patients who take four grams. So what does that mean? But the fact is that supplements are safe. Vitamin C is safe. Vitamin, the B vitamins are safe. B12 is safe. Zinc is safe, you know, except with certain ones where if you take really a lot, you can hurt yourself. Few and far between. You know, I don't think there's any dose of vitamin B12 or folic acid that's going to hurt anybody. And we know that certain supplements in certain conditions are preventive. You know, folic acid supplements are recommended for pregnant women because they prevent spina bifida and brain problems. We know that. So what's wrong with taking folic acid if you're not pregnant? There's just many things like that. I, I see no reason not to use supplements. I take niacin every day for the last 30 years. It lowers my cholesterol. I take something called bergamot, which lowers my cholesterol and my blood sugar, which has not been a problem. I take uh, fish oil every day. I take a greens powder that has a lot of natural materials in it. I think if you take greens every day, that's reasonable. I take calcium every day, magnesium every day. I take a little bit of... Uh, DHEA, which is a hormone, every day. Um, other items, I take things, acetyl-L-carnitine for my brain. I take alpha-lipoic acid for uh -huh. my brain. I take resveratrol for my brain and a few other things. So as, if you look at the supplements I take and you add all the ingredients of all of those supplements, there's probably 100 different things a day. Wow. And, you know, is that making me younger? Is it making me live longer? Is it raising my IQ? I don't know, but I'm not going to stop. And you're still working, and you still look fabulous. So that's um, that's pretty amazing. You mentioned hormones. Do they help? Hormones definitely help. You know, we've gone through that, and uh, the people I see who are older and on hormones are doing better than the ones who are older and not on hormones. And you say, well, they might have been doing better anyway, and maybe they're people who are doing so many other things, and they're taking hormones as well, and that's why. And I don't know for sure in those people. But the pattern of what I see is that people do better with hormones. Men do better with testosterone. Women do better with estrogen. As long as you're monitoring them and you're following the prostate and the blood count in men related to testosterone, and you're following the breast situation in, in women, uh, and any bleeding type of thing, they're going to be safe. You know, these are, these are safe items. It always should be done under professional guidance in my opinion, but these are safe procedures. What about exercise? Which exercise is best? I think stretching is the most important thing because people get stiff as they get older and you, you watch people and the posture is poor and they're bent over and they're stiff. And if you examine them, you'll find tender points all over the place. And I find them in the buttocks, I find them in the thighs, I find them in the shoulders, I find them in the neck. Uh, stretching is what handles these things. And you need to have the right stretching exercises. That should be, in my opinion, professionally uh, instructed so you know what you're doing. There's books you can get. There's a low back pain book mm. that I've used and studied related to trigger points. And I think people ought to know about trigger points, what they are, and they should be examined and seeing if they have them. I see people 
who come in with all kinds of physical problems with pain, and my examination tells me this is a trigger point problem. And mm. I refer them for myofascial, which is massage therapy and stretching, and they get better. Mm. So these are the, the types of exercises. Uh, as I've mentioned, I think any exercise that you like is good. If you enjoy doing it, you know, don't do one you don't like doing because you're not going to do it. That's true. So, you know, if it's walking, I think running past the age of uh, 50 or 60 is probably not a good idea. If you do running, don't do it on a hard surface like asphalt or uh, concrete, which I used to run on for years and help do my knees in a little bit. Uh, I think it's good to run on soft surfaces, but walking is a much safer thing. Swimming is about the safest. Uh, dancing is very safe. All of these other things are safe. Bicycle riding is safe. You know, I see dozens of people every weekend riding bikes on the road. And being on the road isn't always so safe. But riding a bike otherwise is very safe. Hmm. And these are all good exercises. They're all great. They should always be accompanied by stretching. Okay. That's great. Good advice there. What about the brain? Let's talk about how we can protect the brain. Brain is best protected with brain activities, just like the body is best protected with physical activities. So the exercise for the brain is brain action. Mm. Communicate, write letters, talk to people, call them up on the phone. If you have to do it with texting on your cell phone, then do that too. It's a lot better than nothing. Uh, but I think all in all, the, the best way of, of keeping the brain going is person-to-person -person communication. So it's either together with that person Uh, invite them over for lunch, take them for a walk, go on a hike, do some group activities. You know, there's a lot of groups out there. There's a leisure world near our office. Uh, has dozens and dozens of activities with ceramics, with painting, with music, with reading, all of those things. Anything that has to do with the arts, mm -hmm. to me, is a wonderful thing. You know, if you like to make uh, ceramic bowls, by all means, do that because it's good for the brain and it's good for the body. So anything that a person enjoys doing is, is, is what should be done. What about, um, is it genetic? Is aging genetic? There's genetic factors. Uh, there's a tendency toward diabetes, which is a phenomenon that makes you age faster. That tends to be in families. There's tendencies for cardiovascular disease, which is an aging, aging phenomenon. Osteoporosis has some aging characteristics. Parkinson's disease can run in families. A lot of things can tend to be in families, but the other side of that is you don't see it in all the members of the family. Mm. And you see, see people whose parents you know, died early and who are now 80 and 90 years old doing fine. So lifestyle trumps genetics by far most of the time. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting answer there as well. How long can a person live and still enjoy life? I've seen 102 Wow. I've, but I've seen interviews, you know, with 110 and I think 115. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Methuselah lived a long time, didn't he? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think we don't know how long a person can live and be productive and, and still enjoy life. I suspect, and many people have said, in the 120 range is reachable for a lot of people. And I think if we're not smoking and we're not eating poorly and we're getting our exercise and we're productive and we don't do bad things, to ourselves and other people. I mean, ethics is a very important part of survival. We don't do well when we do bad things, and that can be any number of bad things. It doesn't mean you're 
you know, just cheating the income tax people. You know, you could be cheating your wife or your husband. You could be cheating your kids in one way or another. There's all kinds of ways of not being ethical. But the ethical person lives longer and lives better. No mm -hmm. question in my mind. They may not be wealthier, you know, but uh, they're going to have better lives. And you said that the average age now, that I think you said in the beginning, is up until 80 years yeah, old? Yeah, about 80 in this country. Which is right? really... A little higher in Japan. I think it's more like 84 in Japan. Wow. But it's going up in this country, too. And it's, you know, you're going to be many, many people, millions of people living into their 90s and 100s. Wow. Amazing. Well, this was really very interesting information as... as We've really enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Sawson, and we look forward to having you on again. But in the meantime, you can catch more of Dr. Sawson on his website, iprogressivemed.com, and learn more about his passion for alternative medicine and other great things he's involved with. We look forward to our next visit. Thank you. Thank you. If you've ever enjoyed the delicious food inside our kitchen, you may have tried this tasty dish. Now you can make it yourself. This recipe is for black bean chili with lime cream sauce. The preparation time is about 30 minutes and it makes six servings. You start with a pound of cooked black beans, one half cup white onion diced, one half cup green bell pepper diced, one half cup red bell pepper diced, one cup fresh diced tomatoes, two tablespoons olive oil, one tablespoon cumin, three cloves of garlic peeled and minced, one teaspoon chili powder, one teaspoon paprika, one teaspoon oregano, one teaspoon Tabasco sauce, one bunch of fresh cilantro minced, and two cups of tomato puree canned. There's also um, lime cream sauce, which contains one cup of low-fat sour cream, the juice from one lime, and grated zest from half of a lime. First, um, clean your black beans and place them in a pot filled three-quarters of the way with water, and you cook them on the stove over a low fire for approximately one hour or until soft in the middle. And drain the water and set your black beans aside. And in the pot, you're going to place the olive oil and add the garlic and spices until fragrant. Add all the vegetables and cook five to eight minutes or until tender. Then add back in the black beans, the tomato puree and Tabasco, and you simmer all those ingredients together for about 25 minutes over a low flame. For the lime cream sauce, you mix one cup of sour cream with the juice of one lime and the grated zest from half of the lime, and you mix those together and place on top of the black bean chili in a bowl. Goes great with Mexican-style rice. This is black bean chili with lime cream sauce by Mother's Marketing Kitchen. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market radio show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.